right, starting. All right. Hey, I'm Jonathan Alexander. And I'm Elena Getzenberg. And you're listening to Panther Strikes. So, Elena, the Panthers have made a lot of moves within the past two weeks. Most that were expected. Uh, I think we all knew Kwan Short was going to be released. They saved $8.6 million. Uh, he had a cap number of twenty around $20 million, so it, it made a lot of sense to do that. I would have been surprised if they hadn't. Uh, Steven Weatherly made a lot of sense, saved $5.9 million. Um, Michael Polardi made a lot of sense, saved $2 million, especially after what the year Joseph Charlton had. And then you had uh, Trey Boston. Uh, get released, which was a surprise to me, but I, I, I understand the move in one sense, but it was a surprise to me because I thought Justin Burris was going to be the one uh, who was cut, given that he missed a few games and they still performed without him. But we saw Trey Boston, who was one of the leaders in the locker room, um, and and he was released. Uh, were, you as, were you as surprised as I was, I guess, initially? I think what was interesting about it is it wasn't like like you listed those other moves like those like if you just looked at the salaries and all that those like stood out as like moves that just made sense. Um, and I think with Trey, you know, they save money, but it's not like oh my god, they're saving like millions upon millions. I think that's where the surprise comes in. I um, mean, like you said, he is. I mean, the veteran leader. I mean, on that defense, I guess you could say. I think Brian Burns is definitely developing into that role, but <laughs> there's no one quite like Trey Boston. So. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean that in the most positive way. He's always positive. He, he's got a great personality and has been in the NFL for a while. So yeah, I think it was a little surprising, but I guess I think I understand it. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, we're seeing – It'll be interesting to see how many more of those moves we see that like Marty Herney signed Trey Boston to a three-year deal last year. You know, that when you sign someone like that, you knew what you were getting with Trey Boston. We know he has an issues with missed tackles. Um, and that's just kind of what you're getting with him. And we're seeing now Scott Fitter and Matt Rule kind of taking over this and, you know, how what they'll do now with the moves that Marty Herney made before he left, I think will be interesting because it's stuff like that that maybe wasn't as expected, but saves him a little bit of money and is a guy that, you know, they're not as attached to as Marty Herney was. So I think that's an interesting side of it as well. Yeah, you're seeing a lot of, of the undoing of of what of the contracts Marty Herney uh, definitely yeah. made. You know, I saw an interesting stat. Now, Trey Boston definitely missed a lot of tackles. But I saw an interesting stat that he was one of the best safeties and coverage was just which was interesting which i didn't expect um you know he didn't have a lot of interceptions but i guess you know he didn't get burned very often uh he he's was definitely solid, right like yeah solid. yeah, like, yeah he's yeah he was solid um he was definitely one of my favorite interviews mm-hmm. I, I just wonder the either the fact that they chose to release trey boston over justin burris tells i wonder if that says that they that either jeremy Chen Felt because Phil Snow did talk about moving Jeremy Chin to the safety position, so I wonder if that if that either means that Jeremy Chin felt more comfortable at that free safety where Trey Boston plays, or mm-hmm. uh, over a strong safety where Justin Burris played, or um, whether they felt like Justin Burris had more upside than Trey Boston. I I don't know. I'd I'd love to ask 
you know, Matt Rule or, or Scott Fitter, how they what went into that decision. But I, I think I think I think that's a little interesting. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like it's set up right for Jeremy Chin, like you're saying, to kind of move into that safety role more, which you would think like he could, you know, when I talked to Phil Snow, we have a story from a couple weeks ago where I talked to Phil Snow and I was asking him, you know, how many hybrid defenders do you want like on one defense and like how useful is that? And he was like, you know, most NFL defenders play one, you know, like they're good at one position. And I think, you know, they asked Jeremy Shin to do a lot last year. He proved that he could do it. But I think it'd be interesting to see how much better could he be for a long period of time at, you know, if he's at a safety spot specifically, which he played in college. So, and so, so I think you're like, I think what you're saying is right. Like, I agree with it that like what they do now at safety is going to be really interesting, but I don't think it should be surprising at all if Jeremy Chin, you know, ends up just playing a lot more safety. Um, they can still move him around some. Like that doesn't mean he's like stuck in one spot. But yeah. I think that that's what I think when you see this Trey Boston move, that's what stands out to me. And I think, like you said, like what it means for Justin Burris going forward. Could they address it in the draft now? Like they didn't safety. I mean, I guess a little bit. <laughs> but you know, the safeties they like took looked at last year didn't really work out. Like Kenny Robinson. Yeah. So yeah. you know, like, I think I think it'll be interesting to see how it impacts that's like now with like the safety, like what that means for Jeremy Chin is gonna be really interesting. Yeah, for sure. And it, when you look at it all, all those moves plus I did not mention uh, Matt Paradis had his contract restructured. Mm-hmm. Um they converted a lot of that money into signing bonus and when they'll save about an estimated four point seven million dollars. And in, in all, if you look at it, they save about twenty five million dollars. In, in over the past couple of weeks, and and they're sitting around I think thirty one point five million dollars in cap space heading into this free agency. They'll get a little bit of they'll get Trey Boston's what they save in Trey Boston after the free agency signing period. But thirty one point five million dollars, uh, you know, when I look at that, I say you know the Panthers probably shouldn't have an excuse not to be able to either franchise tag Taylor Moten or signing or sign him. But right now, you know, according to your recent story, it's expected that he uh, will be franchise tag. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, basically right now, as we put in the the story that's online um, this week about the offensive line is that, you know, based on everything that's going on is, you know, today, based on where things are, you know, they would, it would be looking likely that he could be franchise tagged. You never know, like, you know, the Panthers could certainly decide, you know what, let's move, try, push for a long-term deal. Like, that's very much so still on the table. I mean, I wouldn't rule that out. But, you know, they're, it's a reasonable price to pay Taylor Molina. It's, it would come about like 13 point – it's we'll average it out at $13.6 million per estimate. It, it, that number will fluctuate is what he would get on one-year deal pretty much. Um, and they could still work on a long-term contract going forward. But – you know, the highest paid rate tackles, you know, they make the some are making an outrageous amount of money and Taylor Bowen's not getting that, but like 14, 15 million, 13 million, like in that area is what he would be making anyway. So it's like a good it's not like outrageous, I guess is what I'm saying, to pay him that much. And they made space, like you said, like to do something like this. They need to focus on the offensive line. It's a mess. So I think, you know, the Panthers are clearly very interested in keeping Taylor Moen around. 
for how long I think is still to be seen, but they're not afraid to use the franchise tag on him if they, you know, if they get to that point. It's definitely on the table. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at the highest paid uh, right tackles, and it's my understanding I was speaking with a free agent. I mean, I'm sorry, not free agent. I was speaking with the agent a while back. And, you know, I think Lane Johnson's making $18 million. <laughs> yeah, eighteen million dollars a year. Trent Brown, sixteen point five. It's my understanding, like when those guys signed those contracts, those were left tackle numbers. They they weren't right tackle numbers, and that kind of threw things in the flux, particularly for for the Panthers when it comes to Taylor Moten's situation because they weren't kind of expecting to pay a right tackle that much. And and now that those guys like Lane Johnson and Trent Brown are, are making that kind of money, you you kind of, I mean, that's what you know, Taylor Moten is going to command up there, maybe not that much, but he's going to command up there. And, and, and now you, you're almost forced to, you know, have to pay him a, a particularly higher amount than what you expected uh, to initially. Um, yeah. Well, I think too, a good thing to keep in mind, like with you saying that is like, I think a lot of free agents this year are going to get less, like they're not, there's the expectation seems to be that, you know, some of those highest paid numbers might not get hit this off season. Because mm-hmm. the cap flow, you know, so like we might say, oh, I mean, he's not getting Lane Johnson numbers, but like mm-hmm. you know, like we look at these other right tackle contracts, or even at other positions, like someone like Curtis Samuel. Like in a normal cap year, he might have gotten like a lot more than he's going to get offered. So it's going to be interesting to see like how those numbers are impacted by you know the cap being at most eighteen million less than normal. So I think you know it's interesting to look at those highest paid numbers, but like for where Taylor Moten probably will, would get a long-term deal, like the 13.6-ish isn't horrible. So, yeah. What what I think might could happen is you might see – I mean, if a long-term deal does happen with Taylor Moten or, or with any player across the league, I think what you might see is maybe a lesser sal- salary that first year, but those following years you might see those salaries jump up um, sure. significantly. They try to divert that so they don't take the biggest cap hit that first year and then – you know, you do have to worry about the subsequent years. I mean, I mean, this isn't the same thing, but if you look at Deshaun Watson's contract, and I think you mentioned this in one of your stories, I can't remember off the top of my head, but Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson in this year is going to take a, what, a $16 million salary cap hit or, or something around there? Not a big deal. And, and then year two, like, it goes to $40 million, like, <laughs> yeah. like, wow, like. So I, mean, I wonder if you'll see a lot of that this offseason with some of these contracts, um, you know, just given that the salary cap is going to be a lot lower because COVID. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see for sure. You know, I think personally think the Panthers need to go ahead and make that deal mm-hmm. um, because, you know, they're trying to lay that if they're really trying to lay the foundation and it starts with the offensive line and Taylor Moten is the most consistent offensive lineman. Yeah. on this team. He was reliable. Um, he played in all the games in, what more can you ask for from an offensive lineman? You know, yeah. I think he's I think he's critically important. Yeah. And I think he had, you know, he had a really good year. Like I think that's important to keep in mind. Like when I had been talking to someone prior to the season, like really like way before the season, it was like, mm, I don't know, maybe he won't, you know, like he'll test free agency more and all that. But like something changed with his performance this year and I think the state of the team a little bit where they were like, No, let's like let's see if we you know more interested in keeping him around it feels like than maybe they have been you know it's a lot of circumstances I think I think they saw how the rest of the offensive line played (laughs) but you know clearly the interest is there in keeping him around at least you know for the short I mean there's still a lot that can happen but they cleared cap space 
for a reason. It's not solely because mm-hmm. they're interested in Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and, and Taylor Moe seems to be that guy that you want with your franchise. Like, mm-hmm. works hard, keeps a level head. Like, you know, he's seems like a good guy. Um, yeah. I don't see no, no reason why why they wouldn't. Uh, but yeah. But they still have a lot of other offensive lines. They line. still have, have a lot of other options on the offensive line. One thing I did want to ask, interesting, and I just thought about this. Now that the Panthers have cleared all this cap space and they have more than what we were probably projecting, um, mm-hmm. do you think they, they should, and this is a strictly opinion question, okay. do you think they should try to come up with a deal for Curtis Samuel? Oh, interesting. Um <sighs> I have mixed feelings about this. This It's a good question because, you know, we talked about during the season how, like, you can't pay both those guys, right? Like, you can't pay Mm -hmm. Taylor and Curtis. And I still think that's kind of true because the offensive line is such an issue. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't pay him too much. I'm going to be very – he's going to test the market, it seems like. And it's going to be interesting to see – that doesn't mean he necessarily – he could still come back. But, like, he's going to see what else is out there, which I – I mean, you should. Um, but yeah. I would tell him to do if I was his agent. But, you know, I, he would be good to have back, but only at a certain price, in my opinion. Um, I just think they have so many needs um, that I would I would pay an offensive lineman rather than, you know, pay for Curtis Samuel. While I like Curtis, and I think he can be – like, he showed how good he can be, valuable to this offense specifically last year. I just think there's too many needs, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think you know his seasons last year, and in his in his age, I think makes him intriguing to see what more he can do. But I don't know how much more he can do. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think Curtis was great, but I don't know if he's like I, I saw like a lot of people comparing him to uh, you know, and, and I think we talked about this before Tyree Kill, but I don't see him with the Tyree Kill ceiling. Um, you know, I, I think he can get a little bit. I think he can get a little bit better, but I don't. I don't know. That you want to pay him a lot of money, you know, because I don't know. I, I haven't seen that he can be like. I, how would you describe Tyreek Hill? I, I mean, he's the number one wide receiver. Tyreek uh, so much faster than Curtis. Yeah, no, yeah, Curtis. <laughs> yeah. So much faster. I mean, he's just he's different. He's another level to me. I don't, and I don't think that's a lot of that is like Curtis Samuel is like. His ceiling's only, you know, so yeah, much. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't see his ceiling being so much higher. Like, um, and that's nothing against Curtis Samuel. Like, he, he he does his job. He did what he's supposed to do. But I just can't envision paying him and DJ Moore, and maybe if they like Robbie Anderson even more, I can't envision them paying all three of them that much money. Um, I mean, I think like what you just said is going to be interesting because like. I don't know. It depends what hypothetical scenario we're in. If this Deshaun Watson trade like ends up, you know, being a thing, but th- some guys like if Brian Burns is still around eventually, you know, like these contracts come up. So like maybe I would sign Curtis to something shorter term. I could see doing that, like a two-year something short, small, like that doesn't tie you to him for the long term because eventually, like there's people I would prioritize him prioritize paying over him. So I could see maybe something more short term, but like, if not, what would you do at wide receiver? Like, are you draft or looking to free agency? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I, I was thinking the Panthers probably should take their chance on drafting a guy. I mean, they say this draft class is deep with wide receivers. I think they could go fourth round 
hopefully find a, a, a diamond in the rough. I mean, wait, what's that saying? I'm sorry. Uh, is that it? Is that it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Diamond in the rough, maybe. Um, you know, I, I, I think either that or I wouldn't do it second or third round because I think if they go at quarterback first round, they need to take offensive tackle second round and defensive tackle third round, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, or cornerback. Um, but, like, I think they could do wide receiver fourth round and maybe find some good value there. Um, I, I really don't think they should I'm, – I'm thinking this out as we speak. I don't think they should pay, pay Curtis Samuel um, just because of the, of the future needs that they have. I mean, I think sometimes we underestimate the mean the people underestimate the needs of this team, like Deshaun Watson, like coming or any Matthew Stafford coming, but they solve all these problems. Like you just mentioned, like they don't have a starting corner, like or a nickel corner. Like both of those guys are free agents, and that's like a big. That's, yeah, usually talk even get to that position, and there's just like because there's so many other needs before you get to corner. So I think. Yeah, I agree with you. I just think this team has so many needs that that's important to keep in mind. Like when we're thinking about, you know, adding pieces and what that could mean for like winning, you know, in the short term, long term, like there's a lot of holes to fill this offseason in general. Yeah. That's why when people say, you know, uh, or ask, you think four, three, four or four first round picks for Deshaun Watson is 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 too much and i'm like yeah i mean the Panthers have so many needs like you give up three or four first round picks for quarter for a franchise quarterback who's great totally get that but you're you know hurting yourself for the future for years to come especially if that's like three or four consecutive years like ouch like yeah you're you're gonna have to do some houdini type stuff to get some first round to find a first round draft pick um in some years that's a lot of making up you have to do so um where was my point? It's just they have so many needs to fill. Like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think they should risk all of that. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, be a well, blast. <laughs> for real. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, we appreciate you all listening. Check back with us next week for another episode of Panthers Tracks. Uh, you know, give us some feedback if you like what you hear. Uh, let us know if you want to want us to talk about something else. All right, see y'all later.